Welcome back, witches. Here we go with another show. This one, Two Lost Episodes Partially Found. Our music will play in just a moment, and it will be February once again. For the second half, we will fall back to October. Each episode is incomplete and a little bit skippy, but not obnoxiously so, I hope. I just couldn't bear to toss out either one entirely. So this is my imperfect attempt to not lose some good ideas and discussions. Luckily, in the next week or two, we'll be full on once again with springtime ideas and elemental energy work as we head toward this podcast's one-year anniversary. So, here we go, witches. Welcome back, witches and other cottage folk. You've just entered the northern Ozarks on a clear but icy day. We have deep snow, a foot or so, on top of around a half inch of ice. But our intrepid dogs, Percy and Violet, and our flock of French black copper marin chickens are all romping around in it for, oh, minutes at a time. While it was 7 degrees in the wee hours of the morning, it has warmed up to a balmy 33. But here's hoping this much snow won't melt from the back roads for another several days. I know, witches. I full-on admit I am greedy when it comes to snow days. I always want just one more. And we've had three this past week already. So, welcome to February in the Ozarks. The groundhog popped his head out of his burrow only a handful of days ago, but no shadow was in sight. So, he is supposedly telling us we are in for an early spring. I'm down with that. Only after another two weeks or so of snow first. Please and thank you, universe at large. Our high hilltop is mostly quiet this morning. I have seen a few birds and the tracks of a solitary deer, but that's about it. Button and I have remained inside the cottage for most of our snow days. with the modern conveniences of electric light, heat, and pumped well water. But we also have a large wood pile right next to the front door should the ice snap an electric line. Then we'll cook atop the wood-burning stove and read books that we can hold in our hands by the light of our plentiful stock of candles. Life is a little uncertain in the Ozark Mountains, but not too worrisome. I think we could make it out if we had to, but for now, Button and I are good holding up with just the two of us and our animal friends. Look around. In these Ozark Hills, the ponds are still frozen and the drifts of snow flow across the land like waves and eddies of ocean currents. But listen even more closely. The woods are not quite silent, but instead share moments of sound. Branches crack under the weight of ice. A lone coyote howls. The wump of snow slides down a distant neighbor's roof peak and even the faraway chug of a diesel engine struggling to make it up an eons old hill can waft in with the wind. We are not quite alone here in our cottage, but it is certainly still and peaceful. I've put the big stew pot on and I'm serving up what I call stir fry soup. Lots of cabbage and veggies and last night's turkey stir fry leftovers. Mm, so warm and so healthy. 
Come on inside from our brisk morning walk around the house and unwrap all those layers. It's time to enjoy a visit with me, Hester Makepeace, the Cottage Witch. I started writing down these ideas last Tuesday at 5 a.m. with what simple witchiness was close to hand. A cone of incense, good fortune, was the scent that was easily available on a bookshelf, seemingly just waiting for my sluggishly groping fingers to find. A cup of coffee, stirred clockwise, Dioso, brought in the goodness of the universe to fill up my cup. I reopened my dormant Celtic music playlist on my cell phone, my favorite for writing. I grabbed some washi tape too, a simple way to decorate a page and create a pleasing addition to my writing. So three simples, maybe four, depending on your counting, does indeed a ritual space make. My altar? My flat top electric stove. It's black, so somewhat cauldron-like. It's my morning counter space, so it's always fairly cleared off. I do equate it with the magic of making. I just grabbed what was easily available to me. A voila! My space was bordered by incense, Celtic music, and brewing coffee. And my page had fancy illuminations along its borders, too. I was getting back from my long winter sleep, back to my magic, and to my life. Well over a month since Yule and Christmas and the new year had passed. So for me, it was time. But my magical engine starts slowly. My Wiccan practices have never been an even path, nor my earlier Christian ones. I have always been consistently spiritual and seeking. But how I go about seeking the greater, higher, loftier meanings of life, that has always evolved. I've been on the cottage path for two or three decades now, though. Yet this path meanders too, and I have let it do so. And sometimes I have to crawl back to it from the world of too much mundane. It's funny, though, because in just 20 minutes, I was already comforted and more at peace than I had been for weeks. After any length of an absence, the only thing I have to do to get back at it, at my spiritual path of wonder and growth, is to just start anywhere. Any one simple will inevitably lead to another. And <laughs> like magic, I will find myself back on the path. Luckily, I have many simples, most always easily to hand, that will open the path back up to me. I always feel better, too, once I am back. Home, welcomed, comfortable, at peace, and in wonder. So let's talk about the wonderful, abundant world of the most simple things, the one-step witchy wonders that bring us back home. And let's use the energy of February to find the best ones for us. For me, it's almost always a journal and a good, smooth writing, colorful fountain pen. Fountain pens are just witchy. It may be something different for you. Likely it is. But one will commonly lead to the next, I said, as I paused for a moment to get a second cup of coffee. And, surprise, there was a cinnamon stick just waiting for me to stir in a bit of spice to my life that day. I hadn't done that since before Christmas either. 13 swirls once, and 13 more for a lifetime of second chances. And let's be honest, third chances and fourths, every single day, every hour, is a chance to do something yet again, 
not everything, but certainly something. What is 2022 but a year to do something again? A second time, all these twos are in the air. It's the best year of second chances we will ever see. Well, unless we get reincarnated in 2222, which, you know, is possible. So if you've grown a bit away or haven't really even started, look around. Got a candle to light? There's really nothing witchier than that. It's the element of fire. Eating some oatmeal or some soup? Stir it clockwise 13 times and think about what you want to bring into your life, into your body today. Then stir the opposite way, away from you, 13 times counterclockwise and focus on what you want to remove. I have a few other simples that are just staples in my life. I, by the way, have a master's degree in the literature of the Renaissance and medieval time periods, focused especially in Chaucer and Shakespeare. I also get the humor that I am deeply grateful for the modern life I live. Deeply grateful for it. For example, on Sunday mornings, I set up my pill container. I strongly support better life through chemistry. And modern doctors are commonly very smart people. I bless my week and the alchemical goodness I will put into my body to help me flourish and thrive. Adding spiritual intentions to what others consider mundane, which can involve making anything with ingredients. As I gather all the necessary ingredients in whatever I'm brewing up at my modern cauldron, which is my stovetop, I pull them out of their cupboards and containers and bags and think about what they contain and what this will add to the recipe I have going, which is, in essence, spell work. Then, as I use them, by the way, the sun is now up on this wintry day and the chickens are enjoying its warmth on their feathers. You likely can hear the roosters crowing about it. I'm going to crow about this one really exciting, simple winter discovery I made. I am a fan of wax melt pot. You know, those decorative ones that come in a lot of different designs and you put the little cubes of wax in there and they smell nice and like whatever intentions you've got going. So I have three of them in my house and have amassed a pretty solid collection of scents. This is a pretty consistent magic for me. One is in my office slash magic room. The other is in the kitchen. And then I have one in the living room. It's mostly passive magic, the spell of protection, or more likely blessing, that I will detect at odd moments all day long. So what's the discovery? It's a good one. I often, but not always, but often, turn the wax melt pots off at night. So in the morning, I have a perfect little circle of hardened wax. This magic is so easy to do and carve this sigil or design of my choice for the focus of that day. Often it's a sacred spiral or a starburst of energy. Whatever is a good focus for me. And I carve it with the toothpick into the solid wax. And the wax melts. The sigil just rises into the atmosphere of the cottage. That's quickly become an integral part of my magical tube. Let's talk about our toolboxes, which for me, a series of messenger bags. Yes, I'm a bag and basket lady, and I have a basket of my current books I'm studying, including my two or three most used journals, 
podcast journal, book of shadows, daily journal, and dot journal. Oh, there's more than three. What? You don't have four different important journals? I also include in that basket my favorite pens and stickers and washi tape and scissors. It's grab and go, so I can take it to my front porch, back patio table, summer swimming pool. But in the winter, while I don't really go anywhere in this downtime, my personal collection of magical necessities is always at the ready. Likewise, I have a bag of painting supplies, coloring supplies, and also sewing, knitting, and crocheting supplies. I really am a bag lady. My entire family really makes fun of me for that. And I don't care. It works for me. And I know they love me. We're good. So I also have a shelf space devoted to these various witchy adjacent crafts and components. And when they become jumbled or difficult to grab and go for whatever reason, my magical practice can become disjointed too. Oh, but hey, we have the big energy of February to get us all straightened out. It's really perfect. It really is. Let's start with Imbolc. That means we are halfway through this winter season, officially, and are now heading towards spring. After the break, I'll talk about each of the four main energy streams that coalesced last week on the 1st and 2nd, and are now commingled in one giant, spiritual, generative, juicy growth spurt that's propelling us straight through until spring. It's such exciting stuff going on even now. So make sure you come back. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome back, witches and other cottage folk. It's season two, episode three. And you've just entered the northern Ozarks on a clear and slightly cool autumn morning. The dogs, Percy and Violet, and our flock of French black copper marin chickens are all hanging out with me by the front porch. The sun has risen, the cattle are lowing, and the ridge of our high hill is hosting pairs and dozens of quiet cardinals, calling blue jays, whippoorwills, morning doves, and one lone bobwhite quail who is calling to his equally solitary friend, the single red-headed woodpecker, both perched in a nearby black walnut tree. Today promises to be a warmer one, so later this afternoon, Button and I will close up the pool for the winter. We are lucky enough to have a few warmish days remaining, but also thankful for the arrival of autumn. Look around, in these Ozark Hills, You'll find a woodland badger and a year-old fawn with fading spots, as well as a secretive fox and a giant piasaw bird gliding along the horizon on a visit down south from his Alton, Illinois homeland. Listen closely. The woods are full of not only the spirits of long-ago lumberjacks, but also modern loggers and their blue tick hounds, all at work, and later on, at play, 
on banjos and guitars as they gather around their still common campfires. I've put the kettle on and I'm serving up a simple raspberry jello cake as a little whisper of the fading summer. So come on inside or hang out on the front porch and enjoy a visit with me, Hester Makepeace, the Cottage Witch. Today is Tuesday, October 12th, and it is the second week in a row of this podcast. Hallelujah! I live in rural middle America, and our local town, where I teach in a fairly small high school, was established nearly 200 years ago. Our pair of founding fathers both began with a tiny business, one building a mill and the other a trading post, back in 1835, alongside a small stream. That creek to be more precise, still runs through my town from what has long ago been named the Duck Park. That original spring still flows from the side of a hill, and the ducks swim in its cold waters to this day. It's usually a quiet, sun-dappled, sylvan hideaway, but young, often noisy children still stop by to feed crackers to the quackers, as my dad used to say, as he and I and my siblings also did 50 or more years ago. It was a sacred space then, and it remains so now. And long before those first European trappers and settlers, indigenous people most certainly were living and trapping along this same creek and hunting in these very same rolling hills and forests, including the people we now call the Osage, and before them, the Mississippian cultures, who first drew that mighty Piasaw bird on the sides of the high stone bluffs that overlooked the convergence of two of the world's largest rivers, the mighty Missouri and the even mightier Mississippi. But the creek in my little town and all the animal life and small villages ever built in succession upon it are important and mighty too. To be sure, we also have a new, much larger modern park at the other end of town nowadays. It hosts joggers and bike riders on its track, foresty pathways, and mown lawns. Sporting events are held on softball and baseball diamonds, that same track, and the football field inside of it. In a few weekends, the new park will use its picnic tables and pavilions to also host the Pumpkin Village and Haunted Hayride, with free hot dogs and hot chocolate and Halloween candy, too, for all the visitors. Lots of them children and adults alike, will be dressed up in ultra-modern and sometimes downright medieval costumes. Such events are not at all uncommon in small-town America, but that doesn't make them any less sacred or traditional. I pretty much guarantee that a few of those costume witches, by the way, will be real witches too. It's one of the best parts of Samhain celebrations. Closeted witches get to walk free and unfettered among the mundane. Sacred spaces are often like that too. They hide in plain sight, and it takes someone with a witchy or otherwise wild sensibility to discover and perhaps nurture to not overlook them, but rather to find and truly see all of their natural beauty. I'm going to suggest ways you can find and even explore one or more isolated origin spots or tiny undiscovered havens of natural beauty in your own neck of the woods or suburbs or city. To better help us do this, I'm going to refer to and read from three of my favorite books today as we explore finding, protecting, 
Adding to and Creating Sacred Spaces, A Witch Alone by Marion Green, Cottage Witchery by Ellen Dugan, and Earth Power by Scott Cunningham. My American audiences and audiences actually from around the world may notice a decidedly British or United Kingdom slant as I begin with Marion Green. I'll also weave in a few words of my own. So I'm beginning with page 25 of A Witch Alone. Your first acts of magic to align yourself with the traditional arts and reawaken the creative powers of the old religion as you try to find sacred spaces will probably be to get out of doors as much as you can. At first, it might seem strange walking along familiar streets, among houses and shops. Where is your nearest flowing water, be it stream, river, or even the seacoast? What do you know about the tides and their relationships to the moon? Become curious about absolutely everything, for that was certainly one of the assets of every traditional witch. Seek to know about your community, its needs, its desires, its good and bad points, and above all, seek out your local magical spots. There is no obvious way of locating the most sacred place in your area. And as you are different from me, there's no way of explaining what it might feel like to you. Perhaps you will feel a tingle on the skin, a feeling of heat or cold, or sense the hair standing up on the back of your neck. Places to go and examine any kind of spring of water. The oldest church and its churchyard particularly ancient trees, historic buildings, ruins, or, of course, any local standing stones, circles. Okay, see what I mean? Very British. In America, if we get to 300 or 400 years old, we're pretty excited. Great Britain, yeah, easily 2,000 years of history sitting around all over the place and, and older, so... There's a difference in your society and my society, quite possibly, of the place. So that the people of the past, with their forgotten wisdom, may speak to you inside your mind. Or drift their shadows across your distracted eyes. Be at peace. Seek the calmness and enduring qualities of a big, healthy tree. Ask for the voice or energy of a bubbling brook or the surging sea. Request the freedom of spirit to soar with gulls or skylarks, with hawks and robins, owls, eagles. See what happens. Whatever you do, try to understand the old ways, the simplicity and immediacy of events in your ancestors' lives. Rediscover the skills they might have had, the crafts they practiced, the way they lived in reasonable harmony with the earth, taking only what they needed and harming her as little as possible. You might be surprised at how much you can discover by peeping over a few walls, examining the shape of your own hometown, looking out for the sorts of natural things which might well have been sacred to our ancestors. There's a simple logic to the things they considered holy, if you think about it. The sun raised and ripened the crops on which all life depended. The springs of fresh water offered to quench the thirst of man and beast in summer droughts and winter snows. There is a life force in spring water very different from that in processed tap water. 
as is obvious from the increasing popularity of bottled spa and mineral waters. Our ancestors named this life force, found in healing springs and herbs, and valued its effects. Read. Read the natural history of your area. Read all sorts of things. Go look in your local library. Very likely they have histories of the exact place in which you live. Whatever you read, try not to restrict yourself to just those books marked witchcraft. Look at country life, seasonal festivals, ancient religions, and local customs to find your sacred places. As you read, jot down in a book of shadows or your book of illuminations those facts, poems, ideas, and odd bits of lore and folk magic that interest you so that you can come back to them, try them out, and really understand them as your knowledge grows. How do you do this? Just choose a day on which to start, preferably not too long after a new moon, and we're still in the first quarter. You can even decorate the cover of the journal that you're going to use for this. Even go to the children's section of your library or bookshelf and see what they have on comparative religion. Some basic information will help you understand what people believe and what they have believed, including ordinary Catholic or Anglican Christians and Quakers and Methodists and some of those other world faiths. Being open as a witch is about being open, I think, to multiple faiths. I'm not telling you to follow any one of them. This is Hester talking. I am telling you to be a little bit open so long as you don't feel triggered. Be a little bit open to who they were and how they honored the land. And also think about those indigenous people. What can you find out? I'm not saying appropriate their religions necessarily. I am saying, see if you can understand those ancestors who also walked on your lands. Basically become really nosy and curious about where you live, why it's there, what was there before, and find out what is sacred or special in the area. Maybe even what's the origin of your place name. Find out if there's a local museum with old tools and kitchen equipment or layouts of traditional cottages. There is in my home county. Maybe you'll find one too. I bet you can. Ask yourself questions about what you know about witchcraft, what you believe it to be like, what it can do for you, and what you can offer to the craft in return. And compare what you have read in books about pagan ideas with what you're finding out about the lives of people in earlier times. Write down notes on all you discover. You're looking for the sacred indigenous places in your hometown. In the very neighborhood that is within walking distance of your front door. In Cottage Witchery, Ellen Dugan will help us out by bringing us from the local neighborhood into and past our own front gate. She says on page 164 of Cottage Witchery, for herbal items to include in your protection charms and spells, you may not have to look any farther than your own backyard. There are lots of protective plants available to you that are easy to find and probably right at hand. Take a closer look at the trees in your neighborhood. For example, you could work with the foliage of the following trees. Ash, birch, cedar, dogwood, 
elder, hazel, holly, juniper, linden, oak, pine, rowan, which is also known as mountain ash, and lastly, the willow. All of these trees have protective properties and a leaf or two or needle would be a fabulous addition to any protection spell. I will add that if you're not sure which tree is which, there are many apps for your cell phone for tree identification based on leaves. You can simply snap a picture of a leaf with these apps and the app will then identify the tree that you have. It would be a great idea to sort of draw a little map of your yard and wander around snapping pictures and sketching in the trees, identifying what you've got where. You can also do this with growing plants in your yard, including flowers and weeds. See what you've got and see how you can use them. Find the sacred vegetation in your own backyard and pay attention to those spots that tingle or feel hot or cold or make you feel anything that refers back to the earth that you live on. Well, that's it, witches. Welcome to spring, and thanks for sharing this experiment. Let me know what you think in email at hestermakepeace at gmail.com or find me, Hester Makepeace, on Facebook. And welcome back to the Makepeace Cottage's front porch. And I'll see you again in just a week or two.